hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. And this week, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever designed a product in your head and thought, oh, the world really needs this. I have a great idea. And if only I can work out how to get it made. Hmm, bugger. I can't work out how to get it made. I'm going to abandon the idea. Do you know what? That happens to so many people and myself included. I've done that as well. One person who didn't do that, she thought of an idea and she uh, persisted and she just kept on and on and on and because she believed in her idea and has now turned this into a multi-million dollar business is my next guest, today's guest, Danny Holloway from Merry People. She is amazing. Now, let me tell you about her. So Danny Holloway is the CEO and founder of Merry People. Merry People is a gumboot company that Danny founded in 2014 and has bootstrapped the business, literally bootstrapped it, to where it is today. Born and raised in Lee and Gatha in South Gippsland in Australia, Danny moved to Melbourne for university and work, seeking a city-appropriate gumboot and unable to find any that she loved, Danny decided to have a go at creating her own. Danny is trying to change the perception of the humble gumboot from a daggy occasional product to an everyday fashionable staple that can be worn city to country, morning to night. Danny now has a team of seven based in Collingwood with third-party warehouses in Australia, the USA, and soon the UK. Danny was named in the top 50 people in Australian e-commerce for 2020 for inside retail, coming in at number 12 and given an award the one to watch. Outside e-commerce and gumboots, Danny loves exercise, traveling and spending time with loved ones and most importantly, her dog Sadie. Welcome, Danny. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's great to be on the show. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. <laughs> we did try to organize this months and months ago, but somehow we uh, both got busy with our lives. But I'm so glad, so glad we've made this work. Yes, no, it was so good to meet you the other week um, in person, in sale. And yeah, I was the same. I was like, yes, we need to have this chat. So <laughs> glad it's finally happening today. Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. You are doing some amazing stuff and I, you're, you're the epitome of, you know, giving it a go. Like get off the benches about, look, just have a crack and, you know, have, have a go. But you're the epitome of that because um, and the epitome of courage because, Bloody hell, the things that you've done, you make me shake in my boots. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's 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 been a journey, I would say. Yeah, I think I definitely I've grown a lot over the it's been seven years now since I like came up with the idea. And I, like it's had a lot of success in the last kind of couple of years. But yeah, it was definitely a really tough couple of years at the start while I was learning what I was doing and really navigating, yeah, starting a business and yeah. um, creating a product and growing a team and working out money things. And, yeah, so it's just been, yeah, definitely hasn't happened overnight and there's been, like, a lot of um, failures and learnings along the way. So, yeah, but, yeah, thank you for your kind. That's very kind of you to say oh. those things. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to stand by it whether you no matter how much you justify it I'm standing by my word <laughs> oh, thank you. absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant so let's let's talk about this you know so you you the CEO the founder of uh, Merry People the gumboots that are so you know fashionable and extraordinary and it's it's 
I love it because I'm a farm girl. So I love, um, you know, anything that's a bit uh, snazzy and a bit, you know, I, I love to wear my flannies around. Are you going to design some cool flannies? For <laughs> I wear flannies a lot, actually. Um, it's funny. I've got Sadie, our dog, and when I'm down at the dog park, that's my go-to outfit, like <laughs> flanny, um, some bike shorts, an old T-shirt and my gumboots, to be honest. <laughs> it's like yeah, my favourite outfit. Oh, that's perfect. I love some yeah. <laughs> well tell us about your journey to um you know to starting merry people because you know a lot of people think that an overnight success like you know people always have this image of people oh she's just started this thing and it's an overnight success but that is always bullshit you know mm-hmm. and you've got one hell of a story you know how it, yeah. so you might not think it's special but you know because it's just you that's lived through it but it's amazing so tell us like you know, like when you were growing up, you came from Gippsland and yeah. puddling around in your gumboots. And well, yeah. how did it all eventuate that you started Merry People? Well, it's interesting. Like growing up, I never actually thought I would be someone who would start a business. I, I don't know. Like I not. I, I don't know why. Or, yeah, um, it might have been because there weren't many women um, at home that I kind of saw that did that. But, yeah, growing up, I wasn't really sure what I would do. Um, I knew that I was a passionate person. I loved people. I felt that um, I had a good work ethic. And, yeah, I um, and I always loved fashion and loved being creative. But I guess I didn't know what that would translate to as a career when I got older. Um, but yeah, no, I yeah grew up quite practical, yeah, on a farm, and moved to Melbourne um, to finish my high school, and went to uni up here, and and yeah, it was uh, actually on the first time I thought of the gumboot idea was when I was going to a music festival with some friends when I was probably nineteen or twenty, and I was looking for a cool pair of gumboots to wear to the festival and. Um, couldn't find any that I thought were great and a few of my friends were buying really expensive ones and um, or they were buying kind of Bunnings, like a little bit um, cheaper gumboots. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, I wish there was some kind of cool, more affordable gumboot. Um, and at that moment, yeah, I was probably just more focused on passing my degree and, you know, going to the pub on a Friday night with my friends and just wasn't that, um, yeah, just again, probably didn't think that I would be someone that would start a business. And then, but yeah, said to myself, you know, I hope someone one day creates a really cool gumboot like that. And then, um, yeah, in my later twenties, I found myself working in the corporate world in, at a, at a bank and it was, yeah, on my morning commutes to the Docklands, I was walking every day, um, and, yeah, it's often quite windy and cold in the Docklands as it is exactly like today in Melbourne, it's raining. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I just want a little waterproof pair of shoes I can wear to work um, and then can still go out to the pub after or go camping on the weekends. And yeah, um, but it wasn't like the farm boots we had back in Langatha. It was um, <clears throat> something that was Melbourne appropriate, but also something I could wear back um, in the country if I wanted to. So, yeah, that was kind of where the idea came from. And I guess as I kind of was working at ANZ, the longer I was there, yeah, I found that I was good at making things happen. (laughs) Sounds pretty crazy, but I I felt like I could make, I don't know, I, I felt like I, the more I worked, the more I felt like I was capable of, executing on something so I thought when I had this idea I thought maybe I'll just have a go and see if I could create this and bring it to life and what's in my head kind of come to life so that's kind of where it all came from and yeah a bit of a journey but yeah (laughs) wow yeah wow it's um I know what you mean about the festivals too you know always go to a festival and without no matter what, it rains and you end up standing in a muddy slush pit and you've only got your runners and you think, geez, if I if only I had, I've been there a hundred times, I get it. But and so 
do you know through your job with ANZ you know and I'm starting to I'm making things happen and you know I'm starting to believe in myself or at least believe in the possibility that I can you know follow something through then you um you know, it's quite a big deal when you start thinking about prototyping and you start thinking, well, who's going to make this for me? And, you know, yeah, it's, it's all very well to have an idea in your head, you know, and then yeah. it's like, shit, I I, now that I actually want to bring it to fruition, where, where do I get where do I get these things made and everything? So did you start thinking, okay, who can I ask to make this gumboot for me? Because clearly you don't have a gumboot making machine, you know, in your in your lounge room. So... How did you go about finding finding um, somebody to bring it, bring the product to life? Yeah, so I started by doing a lot of research. So, sorry, you can hear my dog running in the background. Um, I started by doing a lot of research. I um, created an Excel document um, with all the tasks I wanted to do, and I guess that. I was a project manager at ANZ, so that was kind of how I worked there. Um, so I just put down things I wanted to learn more about um, or, yeah, and just would write down notes along the way for each line and would, um, yeah, put dates that I wanted them all to be done by uh, and then just started watching a lot of YouTube videos on starting a business and, um getting a product made like well boots made and yeah I started looking for suppliers um so I got um a friend of mine to sketch my ideas so I kind of sketched them on a piece of paper and I got him to kind of put it um like into a, like a pdf kind of format that I could present to suppliers so once I had all that and I was happy with that I started like reach looking online and researching like gumboot manufacturers in Australia um I yeah contacted a couple of groups that can kind of help with sourcing in Australia but I was unable to get uh the boots made here so um I went looking offshore and yeah started um I've uh, reached out to factories in China and many of them kind of want you to just buy off the shelf so an existing product they had but I really wanted to do my own designs um, so I yeah was going out to them asking if they could do that um, and reach the you know lower minimum quantities that I wanted and yeah I think that's when I um, I'd been having these Skype conversations Skype so that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing Skype back then not Zoom um and yeah we I ended up jumping on a plane and going I need to meet these people that I'm talking to and learn more about this and yeah and that it was it was a big process like learning and and yeah when I was over there I yeah um realized after my first meeting that I had no clue what I was doing and needed some help so I ended up uh, doing some research that night online and finding what's called a trading agent. And I had them come out with me to the rest of my meetings and they helped me navigate the manufacturing and supplier world, I guess, of China. And, yeah, it's kind of how it all started. It, it's fascinating because, and it just goes to show, and you, you, you don't think it's courageous. Well, I think it's bloody courageous, right? You, you're only young. You're still young now. And this was seven years ago. You know, you were young, like, you know, I don't know, whatever, early 20s or, you know, something like that. And you. Well, I'm, I'm 35 now. Sorry. <laughs> so you're mid 20s. Yeah. All right. But it's still yeah, yeah. young. Yeah. But it's still, it's still taking a risk because. You know, and I think you've said before, like you didn't say it now, but I think the Australian uh, companies were saying that your quantities were too small and they didn't, you know, couldn't do small quantities. But, um, you know, you go to China and, and and here's you, right? I've got this idea. Nobody here is going to do it for me. Uh, I'll Google. Oh, look, they do that in China on a few Skype. That's great. I'm just going to buy a ticket, jump on a plane, go to China by myself and you, you don't think you're courageous. Well, you know what, to meet with all these manufacturers, like it's one thing to go to China to go to tourist destinations, but it's another thing to navigate all these um, 
you know, in, in industri industrial areas and everything else and work out all these factories. But, but uh, you know, how resourceful you are is, is something that you're not really, um, you, you're not, you know, selling yourself here very well. Is that the fact that you get to your hotel the first night, oh, shit, I can't speak the language, I don't know what to do. You're straight online, you find a, a, a translator and a, and a helper. And a lot of people, you know, you know, I don't, I don't want to sort of sound negative, but we most of us give up. You know, it's kind of like, ah, this is too hard. I've got myself into China and now I don't know what to do. So I'll just, doesn't matter. I'll just see the sights and I'll come home. And I think that your resilience and your resourcefulness, you know, and your courage is incredible. And I think that's a really nice foundation to you getting as far as you have. I think it's incredible. So tell us about, because um, you're not going to sell yourself and pump yourself up, so I'm going to do it for you because that's that's what, that's what I'm good at. But, so did, did oh, you know, I'm just intrigued. Were you scared? Like, were you, you know, did, did it ever cross your mind that, oh, shit, here I am in China all by myself and I'm at the mercy of some trading agent that I'm just going to, lay my trust in and like what was it did you have any fear in doing all this um yeah there was a little bit um I was definitely like I remember going on the plane by myself over there and my mum being very worried about me like I had a you know a well-paying job and at ANZ and it was um yeah I like I feel like I could have stayed there potentially the rest of my life and been, yeah, set up pretty well. But so I think my parents were initially like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you taking this risk? Um, but, yeah, so I think that my mum probably made me feel a little bit more nervous because she was, I could just see she was really worried about me. But, yeah, I, like for the most part I was a little just excited about it um, and, I, yeah, I'd organised a translator. So the first meeting I had a translator from the hotel come with me to my first meeting, um, but she had no background in manufacturing or, um, yeah, importing. So it was just she was purely there for the language barrier. Um, so I had that organised and I kind of knew where I was going for my hotel and I knew everywhere where I was going. So I felt like I did a lot of planning before it and did research. So, yes, I did feel a little, a little bit nervous at times, um, but for the most part I was, yeah, excited. And I think I also i am someone who I love my friends and I love being around people, but... I also enjoy my own company and I really enjoy traveling weirdly by myself. <laughs> um, like not all the time, but I found it quite fun, like an adventurous to, you know, be walking down some, you know, street and then just like, oh, I'll just walk in here and see what this is all about. Or yeah. So I, I, I kind of enjoyed that and just eating whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted and yeah. um, just kind of doing things on my term and yeah. Or if I wanted to just lay in bed and work for the day, like I could do that. So yeah, I, um, yes, I was nervous, but I was mostly excited. And, and I think I was also not, trying not to look too many steps ahead. For mm -hmm. me, it was like, right, let's just see if I can get this product. This mm -hmm. is the first stage and this is the amount of money I'm willing to lose on this trip. And if it doesn't happen, it's a good experience and I've learned from it. So for me, I was like, let's just look at it at this and not think too far down the track. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that helped as well. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. You know, I love traveling on my own too. I, I actually really love it. So I went around Europe on my own and, you know, I've done a couple of trips to America on my own. And no, I agree with you. But when you're saying um, there's two two parts, two things I want to cover. One, you're saying that, you know, I just did one step at a time. And I think that is um, 
really, really important for people to know, you know, when they're doing it, everyone wants to have, we all want to have the whole answer. You know, we want to, we want to know all the answers before we start. And you, you absolutely can't. And this is a problem we get overwhelmed by the big picture. So I love that you're just, you know, saying, I just did one thing at a time. The other thing is when you're in um, China, you're, you're saying, oh, they just wanted to sell stuff off the shelves, but you went over there with a specific design, you know, that you want to design. Did you feel at any point like, oh, I'm just, I'm just little old me all by myself up against a barrage of people who are trying to sell me their product? Like, how did you, how did you navigate that to push through to say, no, this is my product, this is what I want, can you do it? Because that's, that's quite intimidating, you know, to have people trying to push their product back at you. So how yeah. did you that? Well, I think I just knew that what they were selling was not what I wanted to sell. Mm. Um, so I think I was just very aware of what I wanted for the product and how I want it to look and feel. And yeah. um, so I was very clear on that in my mind um and yeah definitely I remember like a couple of the factories kind of laughing at me saying like with my name like Mary people (laughs) um I remember them saying Mary why like that's Christmas like why would you call your company Mary people and so yeah they all they thought it was a bit ridiculous but yeah I think it's like about holding on to what you see and your vision and your like your customer um you know they don't know the Australian market and yeah so I think I felt um wouldn't say like overly confident but I felt like this was what I wanted to do and some confidence in that it's interesting you say that too that you know knowing your customer and I think you know and I've been guilty of this I still am guilty of this to be honest is identifying that perfect you know your ideal client you know and and I'm a bugger for it I shift because I've got so many things going on you know I I swap ideal clients all the time and it's not helping me at all but you know for you saying it like that it's that that's such an important part isn't it you know being really really sure about who you're serving you know so so that you can you can't be swayed and so what about merry people where did that come from then if we're going to talk about Christmas and (laughs) laughing at you so where did that come from yeah so it's it was interesting like I it took me a few months to kind of come up with a brand name um I yeah I knew I, I started with like I guess a bit of a um scrapbook and I was writing down all the things that were inspiring me um so yeah I knew and I wrote down lots of brands that I really liked um and why I liked them and I started thinking about the I guess the um like how people would be wearing the product so for me I was like you know, you're wearing gumboots, you're a happy person, you're, you know, walking your dog in the park, you're at a music festival or you're in the garden, you're doing happy things. And so for me, it just kept coming back to happiness. And that was why I was wanting to start the business as well. Like I was feeling somewhat unfulfilled in my corporate career and um, looking for something with more meaning. So yeah, for me, it all everything kept coming back to happiness. So I kind of kept thinking like you're a happy person like you're wearing gumboots like <laughs> that was kind of just where I was at and I was just stuck on that word happiness yeah. and then um yeah one day I was just laying in bed and I was like Mary like Mary is like really playful and that's like a really kind of fun word and so yeah um that's kind of where it came from and I, I still love it to this day like I don't want to change it <laughs> no I, I love it and I love that you t- you say about your corporate you know before you said you know I was working for ANZ I had this great job great security I could have stayed there forever but I think that you know it's so important isn't it to to say well what is success you know and success isn't about having a stable job with uh, well for for some people it is you know but but having all the money you know to be to be secure I think that you touched on it just then and you said about having a meaningful life you know and having a happy life and I I, I think sometimes we overlook that there are other things in life and other ways to make that security you know and other ways to bring that 
meaning to our life and I, I love that you're doing that. Thank you. Like, I don't know, I, I feel that I'm also, I don't know, I feel like I'm sometimes, I, I don't know, sometimes I feel like um, it's idealistic in a way to kind of say that and, you know, not everyone has the ability to, you know, do what I've done. I think I was young. I didn't have any financial commitments. I didn't have a family. <laughs> um, and like, it was a little bit reckless, but I think I was kind of, I didn't have any, for me at that moment, I didn't have anything to lose except the money in my bank account, which for me wasn't um, in that moment. Like it wasn't, for me, the loss was not giving it a go. That was a bigger risk to me. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I think where you can, I think it's important to think about happiness and what, you know, what your career or how you spend your time, what it actually gives you outside money. Um, and, yeah, because it, it, I think, like I look at my life now, I'm, I'm still not earning the money um, that I was kind of were earning at ANZ, like I'm not paying myself that much and, well, as much as that. And But I'm like, I feel like my life is just so much happier and richer and has so much more meaning and it's so much more exciting. And I feel like my conversations with my partner every evening are just, yeah, a lot yeah we've like there's just more to it yeah. so I think I feel a lot obviously happier but just I feel like it's more successful in a way because of of that yeah and I see what you're saying about it being idealistic and that you know it, not everybody's in that position but you know a, a lot of people you know when I'm working with get off the bench with people it's like well I can't quit my job you know I just can't I've got bills to pay and and that I absolutely understand that because you you've got responsibilities like you can't just have an idealistic life and well you can but you know it's it's not always easy to achieve but I always yeah. um you know encourage will stay at that job but maybe take one day off a week or maybe start working on your your side hustle or, or your passion project you know at night you know an hour every night or something like even half an hour every night you can start to build something fabulous or even just commit Saturdays to starting your new thing do you, you know and that's yes. um you can eventually build something up without giving up on your security well speaking yeah I agree I was going to say, speaking about the Saturdays, that's what you did, didn't you? You you started um, working every single, every single Saturday, like slugging your ass off. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when I um, left ANZ to do Merry People full-time, um, like I had no other income and it was, and I had no backup plan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually started um doing markets so I was selling but I do it sometimes Saturdays and Sundays oh, um, which was pretty crazy um but yeah it was yeah packing waking up early like I'd pack the car the night before and drive down the coast or drive to some market and set up and talk to customers all day and and yeah it was a great like it was probably the best thing I've ever one of the best things I did I think a lot of um you know I think my learnings in terms of the startup world is one of the first things people say is like talk to your customers and really understand your customer. And I think in retail, you know, you have that ability to do that through markets in a very organic way and learn more about who your customer is. And I did that and I did that for, yeah, 12 months. And I think you learn so much in that experience and yes, it's really hard and, not glamorous and you miss out on a lot of social functions but um yeah I got to kind of understand everything from when a customer picked up my product to when she yeah purchased the boots and all the questions that she was asking in that time and um that just helped me make sure I had all that information on my website and it helped me kind of understand what was important to her generally it's like we're um some guys but um mostly women um but yeah what was important to her about that transaction and uh I think that really helped me and when I started doing the digital stuff I kind of knew all this information about my customer and it mm -hmm. really helped inform that so 
yeah, it was really hard. It was, um, I was burnt out. There were, you know, times where I did markets where I made <clears throat> zero sales and wake up and, yeah, still the same amount of effort and you'd kind of get home and it was, yeah, it was definitely some tough days there where you kind of, it didn't make sense financially. Um, but then you'd have other days that were amazing. So you kind of had to look at it as a whole picture and kind of in the times where it didn't work, I kind of was like, all right, well, that was good market research or I'll try that market one more time. And if it doesn't work, then I won't do that one again. Yes. So I think you learn a lot in that process and, mm. um, and yeah, it also helped pay for my livelihood, <laughs> my rent <laughs> yep. at that time. So yeah, I, I look back on those times really nostalgically, even though, I remember driving home exhausted and, you know, not having made any money for the day sometimes. And, um, but yeah, there were other times where you did really well and that was such a high. Yeah. So it was good. It was good. So what was the point that you, when you decided I'm leaving my job and I'm just jumping into this, at what point did you feel comfortable or confident enough that, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to make a crack of this? The whole time I was at the bank, I, I loved it, but I knew it wasn't for me long-term. Um, I kind of started there and I was like, okay, well, I'll just do this until I think I started during the global financial crisis and I didn't really know. I was like, right, I've got a job and that's important right now. So, yeah, it probably, um, it was, I guess, when I had come up with the idea um, and then it started to grow a little bit. So I had some growth. So I think year one, I did $20,000 in revenue. Year two, I did $70,000 in revenue. And I think in that moment, I was like, well, you know, mm. this isn't going to grow. I need to learn so much more here to grow this business. And it's not going to grow unless, you know, I give it more of me. And I was kind of feeling... In, yeah, less and less, um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like I couldn't see myself being at in, in the corporate world for long. Like I was looking at the people above me and, yeah, I just didn't really see that for myself. So the plan was, yeah, definitely to leave and it was just about when and what was the right moment. Um, and so I was, yeah, fortunate that I took, I actually took a, like if anyone is familiar with banks or large business, they do reshuffles like every, well, it seems to be more and more frequent, but every kind of couple of months now, I think, um, but definitely in a department, they do something at least every 12 months. And so, um, you know, they did a reshuffle and I didn't apply for my job. Um, I could have stayed. There were other offers, like there was another offer in another department. So I was fortunate to get like a little bit of money on the way out of ANZ. Um, but yeah, it was in that moment where I was like, there are people that want to be here more than me and I'm not this is the time. If, if I don't do this now, then I never will. And if this isn't a sign, then yeah. 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 I have to, I have to just give this a shot now. So that was, that was it. And it, and it was showing signs. Married people were showing signs that, you know, that, that, that it was going to grow. Like you'd already had a little bit of growth. So yes. Yeah. Did you people calling you crazy like you're mad geez you've got a bloody corporate job you got all this you're mad did you have people doing that yes absolutely <laughs> like and I think there are a lot of people it wasn't people directly saying that to me but I could just see the look on their faces <laughs> yeah. so you're like telling them and they're like okay <laughs> and a lot of people yeah just would not have done what I have did I guess but um yeah I had a couple of people yeah say you know this is a lot of risk Danny or are you sure and that kind of thing but um yeah it was like I think yeah definitely I could feel that when I told some people they would not say it directly but 
They're like, oh, well, good luck with that. And worst case, you can always go back to corporate and <laughs> you can always be consultant <laughs> or that kind of thing. And I was like, I will never go back. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'll do, but I don't think I will do corporate again. So, yeah. But but that is something, isn't it? You know, that, that sometimes when we think we're going to take a risk and, and leave a situation and try something, we often forget that, you know, we always we can always go back, you know, and sometimes mm. it's worth jumping ship just to take that chance because, you, you know, like if you're a teacher, let's say, you're always going to have those qualifications, you know, hey, I'm going to go and yeah. start up my candle business, you know, and for a year and see how it goes. And if it, if it doesn't work, you can always go back to teaching you know and I think that sometimes we forget that we've got this you know backlog of experience that can we can always jump back into you know if we that yeah. doesn't mean we want to but like if we really get absolutely it's yeah. there it's a safety net you know so and that's how I felt as well I was like you know worst case you know I'm qualified and I've got yeah. experience and you know, what I learned from this journey, maybe that will also make me yeah. more employable in some way. But I didn't really think that it would fail. Like mm. I kind of um, maybe most, I don't know if that's, yeah, I just didn't think it would. I yeah. was like, I really believed in it. And I was like, nah, this is going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think that's important, isn't it? Just is absolutely having that optimism and that faith, you know, in the, in the, you know, and they say that if you believe in your product, you don't have to sell it. You know, if you believe in it, you know, and you've got a really good one, you know, you your story and you, your passion sells it. I'm not sure that that's 100% correct, but I think that it's very, it, it helps a lot. But speaking of selling it, you know, you've got this, um, you get the supplier from China and then now you've got to um, buy a bulk quantity because you're not going to buy 10 pairs to see how it goes. You've got to invest and buy a container load or whatever you had to buy, you know, to a minimum order quantity to, to bring it out. Did you did you have um, I know you did the markets, but did you have supply uh, distributors lined up, or did you just wing it and think, oh shit, what am I going to do with all these boots? <laughs> Pretty <Yeah>. much. <laughs> um, I had a couple of retailers, you know, who wanted to make orders, but nothing much. Like, yeah, you've got to. I like my first order was like thousands. You've got to do like a wow. thousand per color. So yeah, I had. <laughs> you know, a couple of stockers that were in, like, interested in buying, you know, but they buy like 20 or 30 at a time. So wasn't too much of a dent in it. Um, but, yeah, I just put the boots. Um, my, yeah, I had a, a contact to a, a, a good friend of mine had a warehouse and he very kindly let me put um, my boots in his warehouse and, I yeah just was slowly and wasn't charging me a lot in rent so and I guess I financed the inventory myself so I didn't have you know a bank that were wanting me to pay it back in a certain amount of time so yeah I just kind of put them all in there and then just started chipping away at selling them I guess um and yeah <laughs> I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I guess worst case, I can ship them all back to my parents' farm and put them in the shed and <laughs> work out what to do with them. Everyone in the district has gumboots. <laughs> but, yeah, I was a little bit bold and, yeah, naive there. And, yeah, that was my plan. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you believed in it. And and so now you've got, like, a great lot of distributors, you know, all over Australia and America. And I think you've got UK coming up too. Is that, yes. did I, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But we mostly, we do sell our boots through some stores and they're mostly smaller, like, independent boutique stores. Yeah. So in Gippsland we have Mooka in Warrigal and in Block and then Mika and Max in Menion. And yeah, so yeah, we sell through them and they all they do really well, but we mostly sell online. So we're like a direct to consumer brand. And that's kind of see where I, that's where I see us growing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I think it's fantastic. It's you'd never imagine the humble uh, gumboot becoming, you know, such a fashion item in such demand. Well, yeah. you you probably did, but well, you know, yeah. For me, like, look, I've just come back from, you know, I was down the street before this call, and it's raining in Melbourne. And yeah, for me, I feel like gumboots are the most practical item of footwear, yeah. and that I just felt like they hadn't been done in a way which makes it like an everyday item um, that you can wear and that you know when you're down the street or if it starts raining or if it's muddy or there's a puddle doesn't matter like you've got your boots on so for me I can see it and I can you know see it growing but um yeah I guess many others when I yeah many others initially like oh gumboots that's weird <laughs> but for me it makes a lot of sense it does make a lot of sense, as particular when you come from a farm. You know, gumboots are a staple item. Like, you know, I put my gumboots on nearly every day to go out into the paddocks. But it's yeah. um, it's it's you know, you know, when you say they're real, they're fashionable. They are fashionable. You know, you last time I saw you, you know, a few weeks ago, you wore them with a dress. You know, and they they didn't look like it didn't look like you'd just come off the tractor. You know, you yeah. they look fashionable. And you know, the, the the everybody, you need to go and have a look at the um, Merry People website and and look at these boots because they are really, really awesome. Like, and and uh, you know what that getting. I don't know about you, and maybe you're the same as me, and that uh, if my feet are wet, I am pissed off for the whole day. <laughs> like- yeah. Well, that's what when I used to come to work and my stockings were wet, you just feel a bit yuck. <laughs> and if your feet are cold, it, yeah, yeah. the whole body cold. So, yeah, um, so have warm. And our boots are tested for sub zero climate. So, wow feet are warm in our boots so that's what I wanted I was like what comfy warm versatile boots so yeah I feel like we have done that (laughs) yeah you're you're a lot nicer about it than me you know (laughs) it's a little uncomfortable no no it's it's very damn uncomfortable when you've got wet feet it's (laughs) it makes me the best misery cut on earth if I've got wet feet I love it but you know, you took a punt. You did, and and because you know, it is a a punt. You know, as a fashion gumboot. You know, I don't know about that, but you did it, and it's gone from you know, like oh shit, I got to fork out these thousands of dollars that I've, and now you are, you know, like you're saying, you're, you're not earning as much because you're paying yourself. But it is a multi million dollar company, you know, and you, yeah. it's that's evidence that your punt was a good one a really good one and and people are enjoying it it's growing and everything else and so you've moved from Lee and Gather and you've now got this office in um Collingwood yes but this is and this when I heard you talking about this a few weeks ago it kind of it was a new thing to me I didn't it, it hadn't even crossed my mind even though I know Amazon do it you yeah. talked about three-party packaged packaging you know where yeah. a third a third party I mean where a third party it gets your orders and they package it for you and yes. yeah, I guess I hadn't even considered that but that, that's um yeah. how do you how do you how did you even find out about that and how do you even choose who your third party packing uh, yeah. people are going to be that you can trust and yeah. you know, because you've got to rely on them to get the product to the person on time safely in good condition good customer service like yeah. You've really got to put your whole business in their hands. So how do you decide on that? Yeah, it was a lot. Um, it was, yeah, and I, we have been with um, another group before, the group we're with now, and they anytime like around Black Friday or Christmas, like they would drop the ball and, yeah, mm. it wasn't um, a good experience. So, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, um, I guess it's a, you can call them like a fulfillment center or uh, a third party logistics warehouse. So basically, they specialize in picking orders and packing them and sending them to customers. And some businesses choose to do that themselves. I've got business owners, like friends, who have their office and next to it, they've got a little warehouse with a little warehouse team. And they, when orders come in, they, you know, pack them up and they go out um but for me I guess yeah I just even in looking at the costs it just made better sense to go with people that were 
experts at it. Um, so we are with a group called Eastall Logistics who are in Derrimet. They've also got a uh, warehouse in Sydney. And yeah, they basically, they specialize in e-commerce fulfillment. So we, our website is actually linked to their systems and anytime an order comes in, it pretty much goes, we don't need to do anything. Like it just goes straight across. Um, and we just get a report every day on that they were able to meet all our orders, basically. So um, it's really good because they they can they scale their workforce accordingly. So um, and they've got because of their amount of client the amount of clients they have, you get I guess we get really great rates with Australia Post with um, with postage. So it actually works out cheaper for us to do it through a third party than it would to do it ourselves um and that that varies depending on depending on the businesses like yeah but for us when there's one pick there's one item it it works out um to be more cost efficient so yeah it was quite easy for me to make the decision that that was how we had to be um because I didn't feel like I wanted to take on the lease of a big property and get all the warehouse management things and I wanted to focus on the, the product and the marketing and the digital side of it so the ability to just outsource that was really um, what I wanted to do and um, I I knew Lee the founder of eStore uh, we actually met at a party a couple of years earlier and yeah we just kind of kept in touch and his we weren't when I at that moment I wasn't doing the volumes to be in his warehouse but when we grew um I was like right I'll go to your warehouse and they've been amazing um they've been able to go with our growth and um yeah really really happy with them and I highly recommend them um as um e-commerce fulfillment partners yeah yeah, but it's amazing, you know, like you're saying, yeah, well, this is what I did. I chose to do that. But, you know, it's it's kind of such a steep learning curve, isn't it? You know, when you start a business, it's like, like I wouldn't have even known. It wouldn't, if I had a product, I'd be thinking about, well, storing it in, booting one of the kids out of their room and, yeah. you know, storing it there <laughs> and shipping it out. Well, I should say that's how, that's how it started. It did start with a warehouse, so my friend's warehouse, and I had all that you know, thousands of stock there. And then I'd go there once a week and fill up my golf with <laughs> with gumboots and bring it back. And that went under my bed and or in my bedroom. And that was, um, yeah, I was fulfilling out of my bedroom to start with. So it was when it started growing and I was going to the post office daily with, you know, a trolley. And then I was like looking at what the minimums were to outsource it. Because it is timely, like doing all the labels and, you spend a couple of hours a day like packing orders and yeah you've got to kind of think about well how is your time best spent and if you can get better rates with a pick and pack group then it might be more appropriate but it's about when and if it's right for your business and that mm. kind of thing so yeah well, it's absolutely fascinating, and you know, it's 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 a it's a steep learning curve. You've navigated it so well. Your courage is unbelievable. And I know you're not going to say agree with me, but I don't care. I'm saying it anyway, whether you agree. But it's you know evident, like it's grown to be a multi-million dollar company. You're outsourcing, like it's it has grown exponentially, and it's and and you deserve that. But more evidence to say that you are doing the right thing and that people see you the way I do because you're never going to because we never do never see ourselves like that um you were named I'm going to read this because if I, I don't want to bugger this up you were named in the top 50 people in Australian e-commerce in 2020 at, coming in at number 12 <laughs> wow so that is that's brilliant and did, did that surprise you did you go ah oh, I don't think I'm that good it surprised you Yes, it surprised me um, because I got a mentor of mine. He actually nominated me um, and they, I guess they then send you a bunch of questions and you go through like, I guess, a bit of a process and yeah. they, um, yeah. So then the the night, the day before the event, one of the organisers contacted me and wanted a higher resolution photo of me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think when that happened, 
Emma in my marketing team, we just kind of like, oh my goodness, why do they want this photo? Like what is going to happen tomorrow night? And so, yeah, it, it was really nice. It was, you know, obviously you don't start a business for awards or to win these kind of accolades, but it's a nice, I guess, industry um, recognition. And it, it made, yeah, definitely, I think my team and, um, and definitely myself, my family, it was like, okay, great. Like this is, yeah, a really nice yeah, just a nice um, recognition. So um, I didn't really expect it because there were some pretty big businesses on the list, um, but I think they were just more, um, yeah, they said that it was around my ability to take the product from, you know, farmer's market to digital. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was it was really exciting and a great thing to share like my whole team came that night and it was a great thing to share with everyone yeah that's fantastic and I know you're big on team culture and really really taking care of your staff you got seven staff I think is a team of seven yeah yeah seven but I'm just I'm hiring two more now (laughs) so um yeah we'll be nine I guess by the time I go on um I'm, yeah, I'm going on that leave in yeah. July. So before that happens, yeah, I've got two more staff joining. So, yeah, no, really, it's really important to me. Like, I guess going back to that value and happiness and why I did the brand, I want my staff equally to feel happy when they come to work and they can be their full, true self and feel mm-hmm. like their crazy, wacky ideas are accepted and that, um, Mary people's a place where you can learn and grow and have fun um, so yeah I don't want it to be and again maybe I'm a little bit idealistic but <laughs> I don't want it to be a, you know a typical workplace where it's like oh and obviously everyone will have those moments um, at times but I want everyone to genuinely like yeah. coming to work and believe in what they're like working towards so yeah it is very important to me and I do try and invest a lot of time and effort into that yeah and for anybody watching the um the visual because you know the on youtube here uh, you'll see that danny's constantly holding her face up you know trying to keep herself awake because she's absolutely she's absolutely knackered but um she's just as she said uh just been doing interviews this morning to employ two new staff and what you might not have heard a sneak out very very uh quickly in between lines there was she's going on she said mat leave but well, she's actually having a baby and so so I think that's an exhausting thing to do is try and hire staff while you're just about uh she's only yeah what are you only a couple of months off having the baby so yeah. um how's that going to change things for you yeah it will change things a lot <laughs> well yeah. I guess it doesn't change my vision and what I want for the company like nothing there changes um but in terms of my role um I feel great in the sense that already a lot of the day-to-day you know the third-party logistics group they do all our orders um we've got a great operations team a really strong you know great strong marketing team so I I guess I feel like the day-to-day stuff is mostly taken care of currently um but there's a few yeah, I guess the two roles, hiring a product person and a CFO to just help take some of that because I do all the product stuff at the moment and financial stuff. So, yeah, just um, hiring them and having a couple of months with them before I'm not around. But, yeah, like I'm going to take three months off and um, but I'll still be available and then I'm just going to see how it will go I can imagine I think I'll probably you know if I can take a child to meetings I will if I don't maybe I sound again idealistic idealistic to a lot of the mums listening Um, but if not um, yeah we have other little meeting rooms in our office so I might just set up a little cot in there and um, yeah just do the best I can I think I've also got an amazing partner who like I can't speak more highly enough of um, who, yeah, he also is a founder and a CEO, co-founder, I should say, and CEO. And um, I think he's awesome because he doesn't have any expectations of me, like as a female or anything, like in terms of what I should be doing. So I will just try and 
tackle it the best we can as a team and get support where we need um and yeah but I think we're like just both fortunate now to be in a position where we've got staff and um you know the day-to-day operations will still go ahead can happen without us there so yeah I feel I feel good maybe I'm going in a bit naive like (laughs) I, I feel good about it no, I keep feeling good about it. That's the only way to be. And when you talked about your partner, I love that he's not expecting you, you know, to be the one that, you know, has to has to have all the sacrifices and everything else. And I think, you know, we need more men like that. When you said he was a, a founder CEO, like, you know, like, you know, apples don't fall far from the tree, do they? They connect. What, what is he, what's he um, the, C, the CEO and founder of? So, um, so co-founder, so we um, a social enterprise in Melbourne called Homey. Uh, yeah. So they train and employ young people experiencing homelessness and help provide pathways out of homelessness. So they uh, work in the store and they get a retail training accreditation with, um, with Homey and then they have partnered organisations. So once they've finished their time with Homey, they go into uh, an employment pathway and they're supported with yeah. Homie and through that organisation. So, wow. yeah, it's really amazing. And Nick and I met through like a business contact and um, I was like, wow, this is such a great thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think those initially, I think when we met, like the gentleman who introduced us wanted us to do like a collab of some sort, but, yeah, we ended up dating. <laughs> So and having a baby. Yeah. Now, yeah, we're engaged and having a baby. So, yeah, it's been, I guess, a different sort of collab. <laughs> um, I think that's fantastic. But, yeah, no, he's really great, especially even at the start of pregnancy when I was a little bit sick. Like it was, you know, I felt so useless. I would just go to work and come home and sleep and Nick would cook dinner every night and clean and just be doing things and and I like I I said to him I was like oh thank you for not you know I feel like I've just completely dropped the ball and I was like oh thank you for not having you know any expectations of me in you know the person I need to be and yeah and he was like Danny you don't have any expectations of me either like as a man in what I need to be and yeah he's like and you're carrying a baby and growing it so yeah we're a team so yeah he, he was really it was very nice and um yeah it's been I feel very supported going into this next next chapter like I don't feel like it's all on me so yeah it's good you know we shouldn't we shouldn't feel like that should we we shouldn't feel like we have to um worry about expectations and you know it's it's um I love that you I love that you're saying all that and I love that you're both thinking that and I wish that I wish for everybody you know that their relationships could be like that and that everyone would just support each other and pick up you know just pick up any drop balls and it doesn't really matter what sex you are or you know what job you do and it's just I I love that you've got that and I think that you know that's going to contribute to you not having distress you know about merry people and you know and 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 you know, there'll be times when you can help pick up his pieces too. And I think that yes, this is what we need to do. We need to bring to each other, you know, rather than take from each other. And Yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. I wish no. more people <laughs> experienced it actually, but. Yeah, no, I feel very fortunate to have someone like Nick. And yeah. it definitely, I think it in what you do, like in what I've done with Mary people, it can be really exhausting emotional and all the rest and the people around you particularly a partner um yeah if they you need them to like give you energy and vice versa um can't be just take 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 but yeah it's I think it's a very important part of having a business is having a really supportive person um or supportive people around you so it's definitely helps and I feel very grateful for it. Yeah, I think it's bloody fantastic. Well, I've loved this chat. I've absolutely loved it. But I get to this last question that, you know, I ask everybody. So this podcast is to inspire, get off the bench, people to get off the bench and go and do their thing. So what advice would you give to somebody who has a great idea for a product but feels that the, I guess, that actually creating it 
the, the mm -hmm. actual product is beyond their capacity. What, what advice would you give them? So I would say just to start, um, you don't have to necessarily go ahead with the prototype or the actual development, but I would say it'd be like to research, um, you know, YouTube. I, you know, even today I still watch, like I'm still learning along this journey. It's, it doesn't stop. Um, so, yeah, I would say go onto YouTube and start researching, um, talking to a cust like those the customer group of whatever that product is like try and become get as much information about it as possible um you know if just say uh if it was i don't know i'm trying to think but like go like talk to stores like just talk to anyone where you can where you can learn more about that particular product and um and that end user and do some research on the market so what other what other similar products are out there? Like, how is your product different? Um, and then I would say just start writing down a bit, like you don't even have to call it a business plan. Like just start writing down your ideas, all the things you're learning um, and where you see it growing, um, going or growing. And yeah, start there. I think um, a lot of people just have, yeah, have an idea and, it's all in their head and, you know, and then you kind of get on with the day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day things of life and then it kind of just slips away. But if you just start writing things down in a document and what you're learning and then you can kind of, once you've got an idea of what the product is and how it will work and you're offering where you sit in your market, um, then you can start looking at potential people to make that product. Um, and you can also research that online. So just find suppliers and see if someone can make, get someone in Australia to make a prototype. Like I always, I know with my story, it, you know, a lot of people think they need to jump on a plane and go to China. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, there are, there is manufacturing options in Australia, options in Australia. And I do kind of think that at least at the start, especially like it's great to get a product done here and get your product done right. I think if you can, you know, the volumes that you've got to get overseas are quite high and, you know, the risk and all of that. But if you start here, you can, um, you know, hopefully get it made locally and get, you know, a smaller run and you can, because you will, like your first prototype won't be, it's hard to get it right the first time. So it's good to, you know, get that, show it to your customers, talk to them, get feedback. Um, if you're wanting to sell it into a retail store, take that prototype in and just say, what do you think of this? And how does this rate compare to your other products in you know, that similar category? What do you think on price point? And just, yeah, I, I think just take it slow, but that's how I would, and just keep putting everything down in a document and I don't know, that's just how my mind works because especially if you've got a full-time job or you've got kids or you've got other commitments that can just easily get mixed up and it is a lot starting a business and it is a lot of, you know, time and financial commitment. So to keep all that knowledge somewhere, at least, you know, you, you work and chip away at it. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Is that, yeah, does I think that help? Pretty, yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. You know, I think, uh, you know, with Get Off the Bench, something that I always say to people is get the damn thing out of your head, you know, yeah. and, and like you're saying, uh, you know, with the whole part of my process is get it out of your head, onto paper and into action, you know, and I think that you can't get anything into action until you get it out of your head because yes. your head is such a messy damn place. <laughs> yeah, totally. It is. And you've got to like just look at it stage by stage. Like it can be overwhelming, but just doing like, you know, chipping away at little things. And I think after six months or a year or, you know, and then you've actually made a lot of progress. Um, so, yeah. And it's surprising how much 
progress you do make once you start once you start on the process you know yeah. it's amazing yeah. yeah now where can people find you like website facebook email you know instagram not email but you know all of that <laughs> yeah so our website is uh, um or if you just type mary people in google will come up so you can find our website there um and on facebook i think we're mary people rainwear um and then on yes. Instagram where merry people so or just yeah at merry people so yeah. yeah we're in Collingwood we're just on Johnson Street we've got a office there but yeah that's where people can find us online fantastic yeah oh well I have absolutely I'm going to put all that in the show notes anyway so people can just click on the link and, and yeah. find buy their pair of gumboots but um i've absolutely loved chatting with you today you you just you you, you're just beautiful you got the most beautiful heart you got the just the kindest personality you're full of optimism you're full of idealism which i absolutely love (laughs) yeah Oh, thank you. Very kind, Karen. No, I mean, I really loved our chat as well. And yeah, thanks so much for reaching out and having me. I was, yeah, I I think as I think we spoke in sale, like it's important for me. Sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable, like I've become more comfortable, but like sharing my story. But I hope that um, especially uh, for women um, out there, but yeah, I hope that it does if, you know, someone is starting a business or if someone's thinking about it, that hopefully it can just give them some ideas on on how to go about things and, yeah, hopefully. And some courage and inspiration, you know, and I think yeah. we, we all think our own story is bloody boring. You know, it's kind of like, oh, what do I want to talk about myself? Or who, who cares? You know, but... I think that we need to share our stories because uh, there is always somebody out there who gets a pick me up, you know, when when we share some share that stuff about ourselves. So I I, I truly appreciate you sharing with us, and um, I'm so happy to have you on here. So and you're very worthy of, <laughs> very worthy, uh, of, of any podcast. You, you're just amazing. So thank you so much. No, I've loved being here. So yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you, and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Oh, guys, that was fantastic. Gee whiz, how inspiring to go from just the thought of an idea, oh, gee, I'd like some gumboots for the festival because we all know that festivals it always ends up raining. We always end up with wet feet. She's a lot more gracious about wet feet than I am, I can tell you that. But you know, to, to believe in that idea and to follow that idea through and then to say, well, what can I do without having all the answers? And I think that's a really important thing is that when we start a business or when we have a business idea, we don't have all the answers and we we often will drop the ball and we'll often say, look, this is too hard. I'm going to give up on that. And then for the rest of our lives, we keep thinking, ah, oh, I should have done that thing. What if I did that thing? I wonder if I had have done that thing where it would be now. Really, just give it a go. And if you, as we said, if you have to work an hour every night or if you have to have Fridays off or if you have to work on Saturdays, you know, maybe, maybe it's worth doing. And I don't know, I found that incredibly inspiring and I hope you did too. But don't give up on your dreams. Please don't because Danielle went from just, you know, a a farm girl saying I need gumboots and in my corporate job, which I really don't like, and now it's a multi-million dollar business. If if she can do it, you can do it. Now, I know that, you know, she's got all this experience and this corporate background and everything else, but that doesn't mean that anybody else can't start their business and make something of it. So anyway, I've absolutely loved that. Don't forget to go and follow her at um, on Facebook, Merry People, and Insta, Merry People, and on the website is merrypeople.com. So go get a pair of gumboots, go follow her, show some love, and, oh, wow, I hope that was really inspiring to you. Anyway, again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you loved it, and I will catch you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.